Hi, I'm Patricia Grabarek. And I'm Katina Sawyer, and welcome to the Worker Being Podcast. Today, Patricia has an article for us. Could you give us a little bit of insight into what you're going to be talking about today? Yes, and actually, for those of you that listened to last week's episode, we previewed this article. Well, really, it was inspiration. Katina was talking about this article last week, and I was like, I'm going to read it, and we're going to talk about it. Um, So this is an article about COVID. It's a new article that came out talking about women in leadership, um, specifically governors in the U.S., and how uh, states with female governors saw lower COVID deaths um, in the first batch of months um, that we were facing all of the drama in COVID. So um, yeah, it's a cool article. I'm excited. It's interesting. It's new. It's relevant in a lot of ways to both business and our lives today. And ladies, of which we both are. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Yes. It is kind of fun to read like an article that's not as depressing about women in leadership yeah that's true (laughs) like where it's like not trying to be like oh there aren't any even though they do a good job or like whatever it's like Mm -hmm. no these people are in charge and they did well yes exactly it's like a it's a good article to be like okay like we can do things so people and in this case you know we're looking at how it impacted COVID deaths and so obviously wellness which we care about but also I'm hoping that this type of research can make people stop like hating women leaders I feel like all those studies always make me sad where it's like yes women leaders are always seen as incompetent and lazy and mean and too nice and too this right (laughs) and women leaders that have children are seen as the least competent compared to anybody who has children or doesn't have children, regardless of gender. And you're like, that is so depressing. <laughs> yeah. yeah, <laughs> That's not cool. But yeah, no, I'm excited to hear more about this article and to learn more about uh, what they found. And I think it's a great topic and I think it's really important to talk about. And obviously both of us care a lot about gender equity. And so this is a really good uh, uh, piece to push us into thinking in that direction. Um, but before we dive into that, um, how are you? What's going on with you today? Oh, it's been a very busy, busy day, but I do have like a really weird story to tell you. Oh. That I'm going to share because I feel like my week hasn't been super positive, but I have a funny story that I think people would appreciate. Yes. So, um, and I haven't actually told you this before you record it. So then you're going to have the real experience of Katina's I'm reaction excited. to my story. <laughs> I'm excited. Um, on... I think it was on Wednesday, whatever. Sometime last week, Dan and I were driving home. So we have a new car. I think we talked about that last episode, right? So we have a yes. new car, brand new. This is like day three of having the car. We're like all excited. It's super shiny, super new. We're driving home and we're at a red light. And this Husky, this is like late, this is like 930, 10 o'clock at night. And this Husky starts running towards our car. And what? I know, and I and it's like has this huge smile on its face, like it's like a dopey, like super happy dog, and um, and I was like, where's this owner? Like, why is this dog just randomly in the middle of the street? So I opened my door, and the dog came right up to me, and I she had a collar on, so I grabbed her collar, and I got the phone number, and Danny was calling the owner before I could even like figure out what I was gonna do next. 
she jumped into the passenger she jumped like over me into the passenger seat then into the back seat of the car and laid down what (laughs) it was so weird i was like what is going on here and the owner didn't pick up um right away so we didn't know what to do we're like well we have a car a dog in our car right what do you do do? um obviously we're not gonna like just leave her on the street either so we were like calling shelters and like you know it's kind of late like nothing's open um right. animal control's not open the 24-hour vet clinics a lot of them don't take lost pets but we finally right. found one that did and then we took her over there um and then in the meantime like after we left her the owner called so like she's all reunited with her family but it was just like the most strange oh my God. encounter ever <laughs> i was just like i'm i'm looking at this dog's collar and now the dog's in the back seat <laughs> what was the dog's name skylar Skyler, like yeah. Breaking Bad, the mom from Breaking Bad. Oh, <laughs> I um, <laughs> but um, I'm surprised. I mean, I don't know. Maybe there's like a the dog like has gotten out before or something like that. And they weren't like panicked. Like if our dog got out and then like any phone call I received, I would be picking it up immediately. That's kind of surprising that it took so long to get a hold of them. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It was later. It sounded like they had other dogs. So, like, maybe they just thought, like, the dogs were, you know, who knows? I don't know. We didn't really get a lot of details, but they didn't seem to. I mean, for all we know, they weren't even home, right? Right. Like, that's true. Um, so I don't know exactly what happened. All I know is that Skylar has been reunited, but she was like the friendliest, sweetest dog ever that just like made herself right at home in our brand new car. So we've got lots of husky hair all over the car now, (laughs) but whatever. I mean, I'd rather that than have this poor dog just running around alone. Yeah. And it sounds like she's a nice dog. Oh, so sweet. So sweet. When we were sitting at the clinic waiting for them to come out and grab her. Um, we also had to have them like bring out a leash because like obviously we didn't have right. anything. I don't know if she's going to just like bolt again. Right, um, right. But when we were sitting there, Danny got in the back seat with her and she just like cuddled up with him. It was like the cutest thing ever. Oh, um, that is cute. Yeah, it was very cute. My sister kept texting and being like, just keep her, just keep her. <laughs> <laughs> like if she didn't have a collar or something, like maybe, but <laughs> yeah. Yeah, um, but she did have a collar. And she obviously, with how sweet and happy this dog was and comfortable with people, clearly her home is good. So, Oh, so cute. Well, I'm glad that she's reunited with her family. Um, we have a dog. So there's like an older man in our neighborhood who mm-hmm. got a dog like later in life, which is like really cute, except for that. I think like he got a dog that's like a handful for him. So it's a rescue dog mm-hmm. and it's like a bigger dog. And so the first like couple days that he had it, he like posted on Nextdoor and he was like, please, someone help me. My dog got loose. Like it's the first couple days that I've had her. She like probably doesn't know how to find her way back. I haven't owned a dog in a really long time. And I'm like a senior citizen. And like, you know, could someone help me? And within like 10 minutes, it was actually really funny. The people that own the dog store on the main street near where we live we're like, is this your dog? And it was like their dog literally went to the dog store, like must have just like left and immediately gone to the dog store within like 20 minutes. Um, really she was funny. at the dog store. So he was like, thank you so much. I don't know how she knows her way to the dog store. Maybe your prior owner used to take her there. Uh, maybe it's a favorite spot of hers, whatever. So everybody was like, so glad you reunited with your dog. And then like 
literally a week later he was like hello i have lost my dog again oh no. she is like she is on the loose whatever and like this family within like half an hour was like we have her here she is and he was like thank you so much i will be better at making sure she doesn't get out next time and then like two days ago he was like sadly it is yet again me i have lost my dog a third oh, time no. and everybody and like this time everybody was like hey um you know, whoever found it was like, I have her, but are you sure that you want to have this dog? Because like she's getting out a lot and whatever. And he like wrote this long thing being like, alas, it is a testament to me like getting older. And I thought perhaps I could handle her, but it looks like she is outsmarting me and oh. I'll try one more time to like, but if she gets out again, you may be right. And it's like this whole long thing. And I'm like, oh my gosh, just like waiting to see if this dog like freeze itself again i'm like well clearly she's not super interested in being with this man so <laughs> so we'll see what Aww. happens but i feel That's, bad for him he's yeah. just like and everybody in the neighborhood's just like okay well try your best and he's just like i will <laughs> oh that's so sad i feel sad for him and for the dog it's like i know not great i but. know I Ew. said, sir, it's okay. I mean, it sounds like the dog is like extremely, um, extremely like, uh, street smart because like she's constantly showing up at like people's houses and like, I found her drinking from our dog bowl outside. Like she, I don't know, whatever. Mm -hmm. She'll be fine. I think, but blah, blah. <laughs> I feel bad for the next door man. So yeah, that's sad. Hmm. we will see um but yeah so other than dogs getting in your car anything else good going on i mean besides all the worker being wonderful things that i we're know doing. <laughs> i know we have so much stuff happening we've yeah. been as we were talking about last time we've been so busy uh we weren't sure what to expect in quarantine and it turns out that um we have been asked to do a lot of different engagements with different organizations and virtual trainings and facilitations and things like that. So that has been um, really awesome and rewarding. It continues. So um, we have continuous amounts of client work, always looking for more, but it has been really interesting that this time period has been one of the busiest yeah. for a worker being ever. It's been great. It's been great. Yeah. So we cannot complain. Um, very busy, but lots of things going on this week and next week and really for the next couple months. Um, Every week. Forever. <laughs> yes, hopefully. Right. Um, but for now, everything is going well there. So yeah, that that's pretty much it. What about you? How are things going for you? Everything's good. Um, I just finished doing a workout before we started talking and then Nice. I wash my face and I'm going to do a face mask after this. Mm, fancy. I usually do face masks every Sunday, but this week I used a face scrub on Sunday. And so I didn't want to do two for one in one day. I thought it'd be too much. So I left out the face mask and I'm doing it tonight. Yesterday we, Brendan's car had to get checked for emissions. I told you. And um, mm -hmm. when you switch your car battery, it erases your car's memory. And so it couldn't remember that it drove ever, even though it's like a used car and it dro <laughs> has driven for like 10 years or something. And so we had to drive it for 100 miles yesterday. Um, so we went to Annapolis, but then we got lost, like a little bit lost, but like enough that it was annoying to get back to Annapolis. And because the goal was kind of just to drive for 100 miles and like 
not necessarily to go to Annapolis, although like I would have liked to probably get out of the car and like see something uh, for a few minutes. We just decided to turn around and go back home. So we just <laughs> literally like drove for two hours yesterday to nowhere. We just drove on the highway to nowhere and turned around and came back. Um, so that was exciting. <laughs> exciting. <laughs> I know. And after I got back, I was like, you owe me sushi which I eat sushi on Sundays anyway, but I was like, this is, I need sushi because that was pointless two hours of my life and I want them back and only sushi will make me feel better. (laughs) So that's what I did yesterday. Drove for two hours to nowhere, ate sushi, did a face scrub and now I'm here. Nice. Well, I hope your face mask tonight is lovely. Thank you. Um, So speaking of, um, (laughs) I'm trying to think of how to make this transition. (laughs) Speaking of crises, like cars that don't remember things. Yeah, like like car batteries that need to be replaced and face scrubs when they could have been face masks. Let's talk about female leadership in times of crisis. Yes. What do you have for us? Okay. So this article, as I mentioned, super new, out this year. Um, It's in the Journal of Applied Psychology, written by Sergeant and Stajkovic. And it is called... Women's leadership is associated with fewer deaths during the COVID-19 crisis, quantitative and qualitative analyses of United States governors. Um, So super interesting article. Katina mentioned it a bit last week. So again, anyone listening to the last episode has heard a preview of what's going on. But the main thing here is the fact that women... The li- women's leadership style is a little bit different in this analysis compared to men's. And in general, women's leadership has led to lower COVID deaths. Um, so super, I don't know. I just find it so fascinating. Uh, the sample size is obviously an interesting conundrum that we're in when we're looking at this type of data. There's only, I believe it was only eight governors and... Mm-hmm. They included D.C., so it's like 8 out of 51. As they um, should include D.C. I agree. Taxation without representation. <laughs> yes. Technically not a governor, though. Technically a mayor. That's true. But, That's true. you know, I feel like it's it's reasonable to include We her. can count Muriel. <laughs> but it's, uh, anyway, so 8 out of 51 is very low. Um, yes. And that's a whole other topic of discussion. But... What's exciting is that those eight women have had better results than men. Um, So I'm going to talk a little bit about what they did, what they found. And there's like some other supporting research that they mentioned that might be helpful to kind of understand what's going on here. So what they did, they collected COVID data. Um, It's publicly available data on terms of COVID cases and COVID deaths from January 21st of 2020 through May 5th of 2020. Mm-hmm. So that time period, if everybody can even remember what on earth happened during it, <laughs> yeah, really. we're all stuck in uh, whatever time loop we're in. Um, that was like, obviously, January, February, very few cases, not a lot happening yet. March is when the shutdowns happened for states that did shut down. And then... Uh, May, we were starting to see numbers looking better. And so then people started loosening up their um, stay-at-home orders. And then that's where we saw it spike up again and then close things back down. So anyways, 
whatever. We went through May 5th. That's what they were able to collect. Um, cool. It'll be interesting to see what happens long term, like after. Yeah. Whenever this is all over, what this data will look like. Yeah, totally. So when they were saying that the people are better, were they using metrics just of number of deaths or did they have anything else that they were looking at? Yeah, so they looked at number of deaths, and then they also looked at some qualitative analysis. Um, so they took transcripts of government briefings on COVID, so where the governors would come out and talk about what's going on with the coronavirus within their state, you know, what they're doing, what the process is, stay-at-home orders are, all that. You've probably all seen either your state's governors or, like, clips of other governors and mayors around the country that have had these types of briefings. Um, and obviously, the president has had some as well. So it's they took transcripts from those briefings from these governors across, you know, every governor that exists and the mayor of D.C. and looked <laughs> at the transcripts to try to understand how people were speaking differently about the crisis. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was kind of a two two-fold story right so the first thing was that quantitative analysis to understand that actually states with female governors saw fewer deaths and then interestingly enough states with women governors who issued stay-at-home orders had fewer deaths than states with men governors who also issued stay-at-home orders so Mm. there was still an effect of gender regardless of um of whether or not they did stay-at-home orders Hmm. That's really interesting. So mm-hmm. it's not just that um, there's something to do with the measures that they took. It's also something else and potentially something to do with what they were coding for in these uh, speeches or, uh, you know, public statements that they were making. Yes. So that's what their hypothesis is. I mean, they don't have any definitive data to know that it's the way that people spoke that made a difference, but there is a difference mm-hmm. in how people spoke. So um, there's some theory that maybe the the way people react to the, the briefings had a difference and um, can actually, you know, be some of the one of the drivers of what's going on. But we don't know for sure. Um, but it is interesting to see that the stay at home orders piece was not the big change. It wasn't like that women just generally do that. Right. Um, yeah. So that was kind of interesting. And yeah. one thing to also note, so there's a couple of things in terms of what they were controlling for. So they looked to make sure that they controlled for like population size of the States. So they're not just saying, okay, well fewer, there's fewer deaths, but there's also fewer cases cause there's fewer people. Right. So they controlled for that. Um, and then they also measured things like tenure. So like how long has the governor been in place? Mm-hmm. Um, and they controlled for political affiliation when they did the qual- qualitative analysis because um, the different parties tend to speak a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. Um, and they also controlled for age because there was a bit of an effect of age as to how people were speaking. Um, so okay. they took out that effect of age to see if if gender still caused an effect, and it did. And I want to clarify, too, that gender here, they really weren't looking at gender they were looking at biological sex purely because Mm -hmm. of the data that was available for them so i wanted to make sure that we address that too yes yeah that makes sense so so the so basically regardless of what measure so i'm guessing that there was probably a a main effect of stay-at-home orders on deaths Mm -hmm. but regardless of whether or not people issued those orders 
gender still had an impact beyond those things, plus beyond all the things that you just mentioned that we might say, okay, well, you know, um, maybe it's that, you know, people react more positively to people who are newer in a role as opposed to people they're more comfortable with. And so women are, might be more likely to be newer in the role. So maybe it's that, or, um, maybe, you know, there's something to do with, the um, age, like people are more likely to give credence to younger people. And maybe some of the women are younger that are in office or whatever, like that they're mm-hmm. controlling for all these different explanations for why people might react differently to people and trying to narrow it down just to gender. And then in the qualitative coding, they were trying to come up with some determination about why or what might it be about how these individuals are communicating that's making up for or accounting for that extra something that gender is doing. Um, When they're coding for the qualitative stuff, could you give like a little bit more background on uh, what kinds of like, do they have like any excerpts or anything like that that show like what sorts of things they were trying to look for that demonstrated differences between men and women? Yeah, so I'll tell you what they found, and then I'll give you some quotes, because I have a bunch of quotes pulled up um, that I think are really interesting. So what they found is that women governors were more likely to show empathy um, than men governors, and that was including things like greater awareness of how others might be feeling when they spoke. Um, They also were more likely to express an emotional response that is similar to their followers and you know showing that they care about the followers welfare um, Mm -hmm. by focusing specifically on things like work and money which is interesting Mm. because you wouldn't necessarily think stereotypically that would go with what we think of with women but right um but there was a focus on work and money um and emotional responses to you know potential lack of Hmm. um Women were more likely to speak about work and money by painting a brighter future ahead, like thinking about things that can get better over Hmm. time. And they also exuded more confidence compared Hmm. to men. Hmm. How did they code for confidence? So it was more of the the quotes like, I'm confident that we're going to get through this, that kind of stuff. So not necessarily like I seem confident but i'm saying Mm -hmm. that i feel confident okay gotcha that's interesting yeah and so what you'll see in the quotes um so here's one about confidence so from one of the female governors it was i'm confident that by working together and sharing our best ideas we'll be much much more likely to get it right for the citizens of our states um Mm. and then there's a quote around so the governor of Kansas said, that's what I want to talk about today. Kansas jobs and small businesses and how we can support them, save them, create them when the danger of COVID-19 is behind us. So like kind of hmm. future focus and mm-hmm. we want to focus on the future and how th- well things are going to go. Um, and then when talking about the, again, that empathy for feelings, you know, the frustration and the pain are real. The fear is real. I understand the frustra- frustration that people are feeling. I'm frustrated too. People are feeling very anxious. People are worried about the businesses that they built. People are worried about making rent payments. Um, you know, there's a quote. There's even one person that quoted, like, you can come, you can reach out to my family. We all feel the same way. Hmm. Um, so that were the, those are the women's quotes. And they actually provided one quote per state, which is kind of interesting. Huh. And when you look at the quotes, you'll see things like from the women, 
you know, we all want to get back to work and I want all my people to have a good paying job um, or we will get through this and we'll get on the other side of this and we will get back to life. But then some of the male quotes are, I'm working overtime to rise above the politics, the finger pointing, the bickering back and forth. I think you've seen that. I hope folks notice that. I'm trying to do my best in this space. So now it's more about him than right, about right, everybody. Right, right, right. Um, then like the other, the male quotes where they even use we, it's more about we, the government, which is interesting. So it's like, hmm. we're not going to be stampeded into making too quick of a decision. Huh. Versus the female quotes where it's like, you know, we will get through this. Um, one of the other quotes was, you are our warriors and we can't win this fight without you. Thank you for being the best selves. Mm. Um, compared to the male version of that quote would be, it is imperative that individuals take personal responsibility by limiting their exposure. Mm. So very different in terms of like the emotional component to the yeah. language. Yeah. There's a lot more emotion words and it also seems, and I don't know if this is just because of the quotes that we just went through that I'm thinking this since I haven't seen them all, but like it also seems like there's a little bit more of a focus on like politicking and like sort of virtue, virtue signaling based on party. Like I'm doing this because I'm, I am trying to do the right thing based on, you know, who I am as a person and who these other people are as a person compared to me, as opposed to like, I'm trying to do the right thing for the people of this state. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I do feel like that's true. Um, you know, obviously we don't see all the quotes. Right. Um, and they didn't focus on that specific thing in this analysis. Like their main analysis was looking at empathy related words and quotes and then confidence related words and mm -hmm. quotes and seeing the differences there. Right. Um, but I'm sure that there's other stuff going on beyond that. And yeah. I find it super, but I found it super interesting to read through all the quotes. Um, and the thing that's really exciting for everyone listening is this is an open source article. So when I send the link in the show notes, you'll be able to go in. And if you want to look at table four, you will see all of the quotes that they picked for each of the states. So you can kind of get a sense for what the differences are when you read through it yourself. It's super cool. That's exciting. Um, yeah. And I mean, there's a lot going on here. I think one thing to point out is that women tend to be socialized to be more open and um, honest about their emotions. So men and women are equally capable of feeling emotions and men and women are actually equally emotional it's just that you need to count anger as an emotion for that to be true. And a lot of people don't count anger as an emotion. But just because <laughs> men show more anger and women show more uh, empathy or sadness or compassion, other kinds of um, emotions that men show less of, doesn't actually mean that either, um, you know, gender is unable to demonstrate the other set. It's just that we learn sort of what's an appropriate way to to uh show our emotions and so I know that you know this Patricia but I'm just saying this for people listening that like <laughs> yes. um that the idea is that you know women I'm not surprised that in a time of crisis women would turn toward more communal empathetic language that tries to um emphasize what's what is uh human about everyone in this situation including themselves so that's a very like 
inclusive form of communication. Like we're all experiencing this. My family's also experiencing this. Um, we're all, we're all upset. We're all worried. We're all scared, but here's what I have hope for in our future. And here's what I'm going to do to take us to a better place is very different than, um, you know, you might notice that my competitors are doing X, Y, Z. I'm going to do this uh, because I believe that this is the right thing to do as opposed to like, what's the right thing for all of us. And that makes sense because uh, emotions that women are more likely to show are much more relational emotions. Like if you're showing empathy or you're showing like sadness is like something happened and I feel I'm, I'm, I'm putting myself in the shoes of somebody else Mm -hmm. as opposed to, uh, more independent emotions like anger where it can be caused by another person but it's more about you violated something to me like it's not about uh, perspective taking it's more about uh, seeing things from your own perspective really um, and so the idea that women are using a more empathetic perspective taking approach and a more emotional approach in general um, is not surprising but it is interesting that I think that it seems like and what they're probably arguing in the paper is like in times like this, we really don't want selfish people who are going to try to highlight what they're doing or put themselves out there. In times like this, we want to focus on what is human about all of us and what brings us together and what we share as opposed to focusing on someone else's idea of what they are doing or like highlighting their accomplishments at a time when really we should be highlighting our like shared humanity. I think that's possibly why women are being more successful in this time period because that message is really more valuable in a crisis situation than one that's like individualistic yeah exactly and I think it's the whole like I am we are part of this we are in it together like we are a team so I'm doing this and you need to do this versus you know I'm doing this for you kind of like because I'm the leader and I know better or whatever Um, because there is one quote that stuck out to me from the men's side of things that I thought was an interesting contrast to the whole like you know we're doing this together we're um, you know gonna get through this there was another quote that from the men that was these are tough moments in our state and our nation I hear the concerns of those I'm honored to serve so it's not, I also have these concerns. Right, and right, it's, I right. hear your concerns and I'm serving you. Right. So I, I think that's like an interesting, like, comparison. Yeah. And more and more in leadership literature, just like writ large, people are much more focused on thinking about how can leaders be more vulnerable and demonstrate that they share concerns with the people that they're leading and not try to be like a... I am the leader and you are the follower and you learn from me and like I'm in charge here, but more of a like, what can I learn from you? Reverse mentoring, being open and honest about your own shortcomings, taking responsibility for mistakes, like all of those things, regardless of gender, actually, I mean, there are some tweaks with gender, but the main effect of those behaviors is actually more positive viewpoints from others. Like people see you more positively as a leader, if you're able to, you know, be more vulnerable and open so I, I think that this is a good example of um, especially probably in a time of crisis, I would think that people are looking more for what what is going to bind us together and how are we going to stick together to be able to work through this in a way that's going to make all of us um, all of us rise to the top or rise to the occasion as opposed to more of a 
this is what I'm doing for you type of mentality. Yep, exactly. And actually, for anyone interested, if you read the article, the beginning does spend a lot of time talking about different research. So there's some studies that show that women leaders tend to be preferred during times of uncertainty and business downturns. There's a study that showed that small banks that had female CEOs were more likely to survive the 2008 recession. Um, they showed that in there's a couple studies that were talking about how when it comes to leader effectiveness, there's different types of behaviors and qualities that are needed if it's a calm situation or if it's a crisis. And women tend to be better at navigating uncharted waters. Um, basically, what they're saying is that when you're looking at like a routine, straightforward, smooth sailing situation, people can create plans and execute a strategy in a very specific controlled situation. But in a crisis, you can't do that. You have to think more creatively. You have to rely on improvisation and intuition. You don't always have all the data. Like we know that with COVID, right? You didn't always have all mm -hmm. the data. We don't know what's going on half the time. And we're learning about this disease constantly. So you have to make some decisions that are based more on intuition than on actual data. And there's research to show that women tend to do better in those things. They tend to be more mm -hmm. um, comfortable making those intuitive decisions, working with their creativity, um, being a little bit more outside the box in these types of situations versus men who tend to generally prefer that controlled linear thinking. Um, and that gets back to, though, what you were saying, Katina, that that's not to say there aren't men that are good at being creative and out-of-the-box thinkers and women that prefer to be more linear but generally speaking we see those differences and a lot of it does seem to kind of play out with the role stereotypes right it's more stereotypical for a woman to be you know more communal more intuitive all of that that's like that's rewarded and so women are going to be doing more of that they're taught to do that and men are you know taught to be more like independent and more like of an ex like an executive in the terms of executing strategy in a mm -hmm. very specific planned way and that you know can be a detriment in these types of situations so it was pretty interesting to read the background um obviously all things that you know we've seen and read before but i think it's a done really in a straightforward way so if anyone's really interested there's some great details in the background of this article that you can kind of dig through and see you know, what other research has been done. And that kind of leads to the takeaways, right? COVID, obviously this is very important, but we generally talk about business and organizations. And I think it's um, really a relevant topic because we tend to, as a society, we tend to discount women leaders a little bit more than men, right? We don't always give them the same credence. Um, mm -hmm. But really what we're seeing from all the previous research and then now this COVID research that women's leadership style can be really helpful in times of crisis or major challenges. And obviously in this case, we're seeing fewer COVID deaths. So maybe that would be a nice little link to wellness, right? Like if women are able to help people go through a crisis in a more positive way, then that should in theory lead to better well-being of the folks in the organization that they're leading. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah, I think that makes perfect sense. And I think that, you know, the leadership skills that are necessary for leading through a crisis at the state level 
are likely slightly different from leading in an organization, but not by much. And so I think that, you know, the idea that think about how many organizations right now don't have women at the helm and are also dealing with COVID and hitting their um, organization and having to come up with creative ways to do business differently and all that kind of stuff. And just the um, impact that it could have on the economy or could have had on the economy if we had, for example, more Fortune 500 CEOs who were women like that could have been a really interesting like that would be really interesting to know. And it looks like the data would suggest that had we been more advanced in gender equity earlier on, companies may have had uh, potentially better impacts um, in COVID uh, if people are more willing to follow and listen to and there are better impacts in terms of behavior change when women are at the helm because of the way they're messaging things. That is really interesting, I think, for businesses. It's like, even if you're not interested in government, like from a business perspective, that seems like an important takeaway that what would the world be like if we had a whole bunch of female CEOs that were guiding America's companies through COVID um, yeah. is kind of an interesting question. It is interesting. And I want, I'm, I feel like people will do some of that research at some point um, with data that's available. Uh, yeah. So, I'll, I mean, that's what they did with the article I mentioned with the small banks and female CEOs surviving yeah. the 2008 recession, right? That was a look back too. So I'm curious to see what will happen. When we look at the data, um, but one other thing, just to, like kind of give more context too, like there's research to support that women tend to have more democratic leadership styles. So that kind mm -hmm. of gets to more information sharing, right? So you're now sharing more information about what's going on in this crisis that people can then use and leverage to make good decisions in their own life. Um, yep. And then obviously when it comes to the workplace, people know what's going on. They, they, the transparency is always a good thing. Um, generating diverse ideas is associated with more democratic leadership, brainstorming, consensus building, there's more cooperation. So all of those things can bring more voices into the mix to help. Yeah. I mean, obviously we talk about diversity and inclusion all the time. So that's great from an inclusion perspective and bringing in lots of voices. But when it comes to a crisis, we can't do it alone when we don't have all the data or information and right. you could be the most creative person ever, but that doesn't mean you always have every idea, right? So right. having a group of people that you can bounce ideas off of and cooperating with those around you and learning from experts that have different backgrounds than you um, and being able to take that information effectively and mm -hmm. not be intimidated by somebody being more of an expert, which I think sometimes has happened. Um, yep. So I think that there's a lot of positives with that type of behavior um, in the workplace and obviously in this case in the leadership of our states. So yeah, it was a really totally. interesting article. Yeah, I think it is a fascinating article. I'm really glad that you brought it up and that you uh, brought it to light for us because I think it's really important information for people to know. Holding all everything, other things constant, gender seems to have a positive impact on outcomes for COVID in the direction of women being a little bit better at driving those outcomes that matter like you know death so um so I think that that's a great uh, great takeaway for everybody and I really appreciate you reading this article yes and I appreciate you talking about it in the last episode inspiring me to read it for this week <laughs> <laughs> no worries <laughs> well thanks to all of our listeners as well hopefully you found it interesting I think it's a very 
relevant topic, um, but we'd love to hear from you, hear your stories, your experiences, your thoughts and questions. You can email us at contact at workerbeing.com. You can find us on our website, which is workerbeing.com. And you can also find us on social media. So we're on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at workerbeing. Find us there. DM us if you have questions or thoughts, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening. The Worker Being Podcast is hosted by us, Patricia Grabarek and Katina Sawyer, and produced by Allie Johnson.